The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into a brand new episode of Rip and Rock. Episode 18. We're coming up on 20 right now. Wild. Crazy. Kind of flown by. Much like the season. Yeah, I mean, when we first started this, it really felt like it was going to be, you know, a marathon. And and here we are. It's the final month of the season. Whammy. We're still friends. Well, we weren't friends to start this, but we are now, depending on the day. I'd say today's been a good day for our relationship. But yeah, one month of baseball left until the postseason. How about that, Orioles Nation? It's wild. And the Orioles are in a very good spot. We're going to talk about a lot of that just going forward, what the O's are capable of, the outlook for this season, and maybe a little bit of next season as well. But before we jump into that, it's a feel-good story. It's a reunion between the O's and one of their former players, the lone all-star last season for this ball club, and that's Jorge Lopez. The team claimed him off waivers. We're going to jump into that, look back at the season, the adversity this team's faced, and kind of look ahead to that final month of the year. It's grit and grind time for this ball club, much like it has been all season long. I don't think they're going to stop now. Can the Orioles hold on to the AL East? It's a big, big question, honestly. We'll give our thoughts. We'll share our thoughts and, you know, what we think this team is capable of going forward. Gunnar Henderson just making another big play. His resume, that highlight reel tape for AL Rookie of the Year, obviously he's already got it locked up, but he's just adding to it. This dude is phenomenal, and he's so talented. And Orioles fans are going to get to enjoy that, watching him play for a very long time here in Baltimore. That's the hope, at least. Rip's tips. Still don't know what it is. Still don't know what's coming up. Good. But we're going to figure it out. Good, great, grand. And then we will preview the next six games on the road for the O's. little disclaimer here before we dive in. I was about to say that. Are you? Go ahead. But we're we're about that our episodes push back a day. Was that the disclaimer? Well, not only that, we're recording this on a Saturday before the Orioles take on the Diamondbacks. So we are two games back right now. We're, we're in that AL East race too, Rip and Rock are, and we're, we're two games back of the O's. No, but for real, this is, so the O's haven't yet played the Diamondbacks. It's Saturday at 6.03 p.m. when we're recording this because somebody, me, is going on vacation next week, so I just mess up the whole schedule. Big debacle here. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you said it. You know, um, you are the problem. Uh, I'm the problem. You, it's me. Yeah, I was about to there say you, you and Tay Swift got something yeah. in common. Yeah. But but in all seriousness, yeah, that we're, it, life happens. Things happen. Uh, but we're, we didn't want to miss an episode because we are dedicated to this thing. So we're we're, we're here for you guys. And uh, but yes, the episode 
is going to come out more than likely on Tuesday. So just a little bit of a heads up, but it will be out. It will be great. And, uh, and seen. It will be, yeah, it will be good, great, grand, as you'd say. Good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the bus for those out there. No yelling on the bus. (laughs) If you guys can name that movie quote and send it on Twitter, uh, X, whatever you want to call it. I actually maybe, uh. I still don't want to call it X. I know we have to. It's getting to that point. But what are, what are our tweets going to be called? Are they going to be called? I, I don't know. There's like, you can't call them, call my tweets X's. Yeah, I because you have a lot of exes. Well, my exes live in Texas, like I'm George Strait. <laughs> oh goodness, we're getting way off topic here. We don't know what's going to happen with that, but what we do know is happening. Rock is that uh, Jorge Lopez is back in Baltimore. He is, and this is kind of a win-win situation for the O's because this is a guy they traded last season before the deadline, and they got Yenier Cano. Cade Povich and two minor leaguers back and Yenier Cano ended up being an all-star this season. So it worked out for the O's. For the Twins, not so much because I don't know if Lopez was what they expected him to be in Minnesota. They got him last season. He had half a season last year and then he had half a season this year because they ended up dishing him at the deadline to the Marlins. And with the Marlins, he's just absolutely struggled. And it's it's sad to see because Jorge Lopez is a guy that you want to root for because he's so likable and just everything about the guy and he wants to win. And to see him struggle in Miami, it stunk. It stinks. 12 appearances with the Marlins, 9.26 ERA with eight strikeouts, 11 and two thirds innings pitched. So the Marlins then optioned Lopez to AAA and he was claimed off the O's by waivers. Here's the catch though. They do get Jorge Lopez back. And as of this point, He hasn't reported, but he's going to. That's at least what we believe. He is not eligible to play on the O's postseason roster because they acquired him after that August 31st deadline. But do you think that Jorge Lopez can help this team out going forward in the bullpen? It's like, can they basically insert him back into... I'm not necessarily saying his closer role that he had last season because he's had his ups and downs. Maybe he needs to get back to that level before they do. But can they get him back to that level? And and can we see a you know an all star caliber all star caliber? Wow, can't speak Jorge Lopez going forward as the regular season finishes up. Yeah, you know I think for so many reasons it's great to see him back, just because. I I believe Jorge has a connection with Baltimore that's more than on a professional level. Personally, a lot of things he, with just going through that he went with his with his family, and also when I say personally, a team that also wants to work with you and you know that they believe in you. And I thought that 2022 season was one where you felt that the Orioles staff after his 21 said, "Hey, we think your best role can be out of the bullpen, and we're going to help you get comfortable with that." And to see him have the year he had and be an all-star. And it was a bittersweet moment then, right? Because then you get traded. And that's a part of the business. But I'm not saying he's going to get back to that all-star form necessarily, Rock. Could he? Absolutely. But can he get back to being a very helpful part in, in the Orioles' bullpen in the future? I think the answer is yes. And, and the, the biggest um, reason why is because he did it with the team in 2022. There is a, there is a certain 
aspect that you can't overlook, and that is continuity and familiarity. And Jorge Lopez is going to have that coming back to this Orioles staff that also when you see the team that claims you, I bet Jorge, if there was one team in this whole situation, it's a relief because all, everything seemed to come together for him there, and that's where he probably might feel like he can get that breath of fresh air back, which he lost, obviously, when he went over to Minnesota and to Miami. So it, it's this could be the best, this last month of the season, if he helps out the team, who knows. But this is almost can be the perfect reset for him as he prepares for his 2024 season. No, exactly. And I, I think he needs this. I think the O's need this because they get a guy back that they have a ton of familiarity with. And that's, I mean, a guy that was an all-star and had his, the best season of his career mm -hmm. in Baltimore last season. Like Jorge Lopez was just one, I would say one of the fan favorites last season for sure before he got traded and fans hated to see him go. And they were like, what's happening. There was a lot of pushback from the fan base because they didn't want to see their lone all-star go, but Mike Elias knew what he was doing, and he set this team up for the future, and he continues to do so, and look what they got back, look at the spot they're in now, and on top of that, they get Jorge Lopez back. So that's obviously huge for the ball club, but looking at Jorge Lopez and his seasons and his ERA, two seasons in Milwaukee, he had ERAs both seasons that were upwards of four. Uh, his first year in the league, it was higher than five. Then he goes to Kansas City and he does basically the same thing. And that's when Baltimore got him. So two teams in 2020, his ERA was a 6.69. Then it got lowered a bit in 2021. His first season with Baltimore, it was a 6.07. And then that first half of the season where he was an all-star, 1.68. It went up when he went to Minnesota, but to have a 1.68 ERA and to be the team's closer and to do what he did and to go to the all-star game, like Jorge Lopez played a huge role in the O's getting to where they are now because without Jorge Lopez, without that chess piece, you don't get Yenier Cano. You don't have a big arm in, you know, in, the, in the bullpen like Cano who throws gas, who has a lethal splitter who's able to do what he's able to do. So, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, well, it's interesting. It's like, it's when they swap spots, essentially, it's like Cano then got that that rejuvenation in his career when he came to Baltimore, and it just switched for Jorge. The other part of it, too, is, you know, Mike Elias, you know, the fact you got Cano, and then you also got Kate Povich, who is a very talented prospect that is going through some struggles in, in AAA right now, but has an electric arm and could be a big piece for the team for future years. So really great job by Elias recognizing not getting so attached to moments. You have to look at the best outlook for your team. And then it's funny how sometimes it's funny how the world works, Rock. And in this case, it just feels like when everything goes bad, the silver lining for Jorge Lopez, you come back to Baltimore and you, and you, you listed off the stats, but the same thing, he can get back on track because this is a place where Jorge Lopez found himself, and why not being able to find himself another time in 2024? Yeah. No, and that's, that's big. Like, like we talked about, man, like to be able to get him back, I, I don't know if he, he's going to be the, the missing piece the O's need, per se, and I really don't think that's going to be the case, but to have him on the roster to finish out the season, 
and, and they're in need of another arm in the bullpen, another guy they can rely on. And I think they can rely on Jorge Lopez, but we'll have to wait and see. So the um, with Cano, I meant change up. Sorry, Felix Felix Fuji have the big the big the split. splits. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. I'm like getting my pitches and stuff. Yeah, tomato, up. tomato. But yeah, there is a big difference with those. But same thing. They, they, they both. If you throw them right, they play off the fastball. They look like yeah. a fastball. You were right on the right track. You know what I mean. But look man. at us though, reflecting on this season. You know, with with Jorge Lopez, that reflecting on Jorge Lopez's previous seasons, and actually kind of leads into we want to reflect a little bit on this O season. I know we got a month left, Rock, but man, I, I kind of want to take a step back for a second. And look at how many great moments this team has given this ball club, especially the fact that most people thought the Orioles would be one of the teams to finish towards the bottom of the American League East. I mean, Rip, if you were to tell, if you were to tell me that the Orioles would be in first place in the AL East on September 2nd, where we're doing this pod, um, I, I would have told you you're probably crazy. Or I would have been like, you know, give me, give me the odds for, whoever, you know, the field. If it would have been, all right, you're getting the odds for the O's being in first place or the field. Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Rays. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry, Rays as well. Um, I mean, the Rays are the the obvious one, but yeah, I would have told you you're crazy, seriously, because this team, it, to make a jump that they have, they went from, you know, having a winning season for the first time in years to then jumping in and saying, all right, not only are we in first place in the American League or American League East, we're in first place in the AL as well. So that's just kind of unheard of. You don't see many teams do what the O's are doing, but it's a testament to Michael Elias. It's a testament to Brandon Hyde, the players that are coming up, the, the guys that are doing their jobs, the guys they've added in the offseason, the Ryan O'Hearns of the world, you know, the, the Adam Frazier, as people can say what they want about Frazier, but He's helped this team in more ways than one this season mm-hmm. at, at big points in time. So guys that they've gotten either this season, in the offseason, or, or last year at the trade deadline have really helped this team tremendously. Mike Elias, I mean, he, he deserves all the credit of the world. And Brandon Hyde, he truly deserves that American League Manager of the Year. Like, if he doesn't get that, there's something wrong. Yeah, if he wasn't winning it last play. year... I don't know what else he has to do to no, win it this year. And not for that case, but to your point, the Orioles, I don't have their exact win total, what it was for 2022, but it was not 83 games, which what they got to, not even close to that number, right? Especially when you think about in 2021, they had 52 wins. You want to go back to then, because 2020 is not really, it was a, you know, a um, shortened season with COVID, but you want to go back to 29, they had 54 wins. So in two full seasons, the Orioles did not eclipse 54 wins, and then they had a 29-win difference from this uh, from 2021 to 2022. And now, as we're recording this on uh, September 2nd, the Orioles have the same amount of wins that they had all of last season. And, and I mean, it's crazy, to exactly to your point. It's not that people didn't believe that this team could be this good. But sometimes for something great to come to fruition, it takes time. And the speed of which this has come together for the Orioles has been nothing short of sensational. And so the job's not finished, and there's a lot more pieces. (laughs) But Orioles fans, this is something, if you could say that 
when you heard rebuild, sometimes you you don't want to think it's going to take that long, but let's just say it's it takes 10 years, right? You think like a decade of really being fully into the mix and in four, in four years, going into the fifth year, the Orioles now are the top team in the American League. It's amazing. Before I even got here, it was just the Orioles were kind of the laughing stock of the American League. Mm-hmm. It was bottom of the barrel. You'd see Camden Yards empty, even looking at some of the past broadcasts that Masson does. And I know, and you know, I know the one they did a lot was during COVID. So that doesn't, you know, that doesn't count. But like the Orioles Stadium wasn't much more full than that on on a you know normal day here in Baltimore during the season before COVID. Right. It's to see then that I'm talking about when they were losing. So before yeah. back in the golden days, it, it was and it was packed. But like that is what this season, like the fans are getting to enjoy it. They're getting to really reap the benefits of everything that this team and, and being a fan of this team. And that's mm-hmm. that's what you should. When you're when you're a fan of a team that's losing and losing and losing some more and you you stick with them and it's tough sometimes. And Birdland, I, I know because I'm a Sixers fan, die hard. Oh. And we we've gone through some bumpy seasons, some really bad losing seasons, some seasons where 10, 15 years from now, guys are going to come up on, on, you know, in trivia questions and you're going to be like, I remember that guy, but I only remember him because I was so loyal to this team and watched them at that point in time. That's how bad they were though. Guys that you'll probably never hear from again. So to see the Orioles just built and, and trust the process like the Sixers did. And, and, you know, I, I really hope that the Orioles get to win a world series. I don't know if the Sixers are doing that anytime soon, winning a championship because of everything that's going on, but dare to dream. They're trusting the process. They really are. What Michael Elias is doing post rebuild, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, guys that are coming up and Elias, he's just picking out players. He's like, I want him on my team. I want him on my team. I want him on my team. And half the time, they're not even close to the best. Sometimes they're the worst player on their team at that point in time. They're bringing him over to the Orioles. Take a Fujinami, for example, and, and look what they've done. Honestly. Yeah. And I mean, the thing with the... And I snuck Fujinami in there because, yeah. you know, I got to get, you got to get, you know, you going on that. I'm That's still, your guy. I'm still, well, you can get me going on that in a second here because I'm still a huge Fuji guy. But again, because you look at what, what the Orioles do, and this is props to their analytics, it's Elias, their department. Uh, even their their development team, staff, coaches, everyone, is that they look at something and they feel that they can go out there and if they can just be able to tinker and fix something, they can have success. And Elias has done that tremendously well of picking guys off of waivers, finding value, right? I've said that a lot with yeah, Elias. Big finding value has been something that's really been become a skill for for him and his staff. You know, and then the other part of it too and this is the last part of it, is credit to the players to to make that next step. Like Kyle Bradish coming over in the trade for Bundy and the, the, the development staff giving him confidence, belief, but then Kyle's got to go walk the walk. And for him to take that step from year one to year two this year, he went from possibly where does he fit into being a front-end rotation type of guy for the best team in baseball in the American League when the Orioles. Dean Kramer has made his progressions. You're seeing other guys 
that are starting to find themselves. Like we talked about Felix Batista, incredible, unfortunate what happened with an injury. Mm -hmm. That's part of the game, but developed into the best closer in baseball. You're seeing Gunnar Henderson, a superstar at 22 years old. Those are the types of things that you love. Now with Fuji, what I love is that the Orioles are also looking at upside, ceiling, guys that can really, they harness it right. They can be something that, that only few pitchers or players can do. And Fuji's still one of those guys. Yes, you can look at the White Sox game and go, well, there he is, Ryan. He's back to just giving up hits. First off, he didn't allow a walk. My biggest thing for him is he's learning to be more around the plate. Number one, he did get hit around in a game where it was a big lead, and you could say, well, the pressure's off. It's not always easy in the sense to go in where you know you just got to get the final outs and you're up eight. For run scores, it doesn't matter. So what I love the fact is, He's at least making them put in play. They earn the runs. But if you want to look at his other outings prior to that, he had, if I'm doing the math right here, prior to that, he had five straight scoreless innings where he had no walks and seven punch outs in those. White Sox game happened, two earned runs, four hits, whatever. He goes back against the Diamondbacks, has a situation where it was a throwing error by Urias, I believe. And he got a full innings in. Perez came in and and cleaned it up. But one hit, no walks again, and two Ks. That's the no walks is key. That's what you want out of your bullpen, out of your relief guys. You would you would rather That's, someone yeah. yeah, you would you rather wanna, you don't want to put free guys on base and just, you know, that, that just really starts a downfall. I know people hate hearing this and they go, Well, guys, don't leave pitches hittable pitches over the plate. Well, as a pitcher or as a former pitcher, even growing up and then talking to guys that are in, in professional baseball, they'll tell you if someone, they make a bad pitch and they make, someone makes them pay for it, that stinks. But if they walk a guy and then that guy scores and that was a free pass, that just pisses pitchers oh, yeah. off. Yeah. So to see Fuji now since August 16th against the Padres, and that was one that he still gave up two runs, he has had zero walks. Since that outing, actually had one walk, the prior one. Overall, you're seeing him get better. And this is something that Elias saw. So for fans, again, not saying you got to trust him right now. But believe me when I say this guy has the makings of being a dominant pitcher, but you just can't throw him away. And that's what Elias saw. Mm -hmm. Oakland didn't feel that high on him. They were willing to let him go. Well, guess what? Comes to Baltimore and Elias could do it again. Just give it some time. No, and that's big. How, what did you, uh, what were you, what were you throwing? What was the radar gun speed when you were a pitcher? Like 62? Woof. Um, yeah, it was a little bit harder than that. I, I always had some arm issues. I always threw funky. You know, I probably, I think, could get up to like 85. I don't know. That, what, I didn't sit at 85. I, you know what I tell people? If I could go back, I would have made sure that I kept my arm, shoulder, everything as healthy as possible. So for anyone that wants to be a pitcher, keep that arm healthy. Do all the exercises. Get in there. Because being a starting pitcher in professional baseball might be the best job out there. You're really you're good. paid, man. If you're one of the top pitchers, and it's hard. I mean, Verlander Scherzer. But, dude, you pitch once every five days, and they're giving you a boatload of money. Mm -hmm. That sounds pretty nice to me. Sounds great. Right? Yeah. Uh, I threw an EFIS, like, curveball, by the way. So did I when I pitched in Little League. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the only pitch I had because I threw about 45 miles per hour. If yeah. that might, might have been like 35, you know, like I would hit ninth play second base. Cause I had the weakest arm heck of a defender though, but like could not hit to save my life. 
And my dad knew that. And I was the coach's (laughs) son. And it's like, he had to put me in the lineup, but I was so bad at the plate. Like it would always be like, I'd look down the, uh, the third baseline. He was our third base coach and manager. And it would always be like bunt. And I was like, cause I, I, you know, I wasn't fast either, but I, I could at least lay down a bunt. So that's like, that was my bread and butter, but I was terrible. Oh terrible. man, you're a good kid. Yeah. That's but Ephus, Ephus was like, you know, I threw my Ephus a lot. It was successful until it wasn't. And I got, you know, shelled for like eight runs. Kid hit like a two or three run bomb off me in little league. And I was just like defeated. So bad. Yeah, I used to feel really good with my pitches and I, my, my curveball was able just to, to be like, you know, they say 12, six, it was probably like an, a 22 to six drop. Like it was really high, but yeah, the arm elbow never felt good ever. So anyone out there, keep your arms healthy, uh, be better than rock and I, yeah, be better than the gap. Another movie line. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, anyway, we're rambling here. Let's move on here, Rock. What is next on our rundown? You got it, don't you? Or do I? We just basically were, you know, do we do we talk about the final month of the season? Well, we kind of like didn't. We, we kind of didn't, but we we are going to yeah. right now. So let's dive into the final month of the season. What you want to see from the O's, how they can be successful and win this American League East division title, because that's the ultimate goal. Well, I don't want to say that's the ultimate goal, but that is the attainable goal right now. And but that's the objective. Team, exactly. That's exactly what they want to do. So looking at the final month of the season and scheduling and everything along those lines. So the O's are going to wrap up their series in Arizona. They have two more. And then when this drops, they will have already played their first game in Los Angeles against the Angels. And then they have two more with the Angels, three with Boston. They go to St. Louis for three. The series you want to have circled on your calendar, O's fans, and that is going to be the probably the division deciding series. Potentially, it could be, depending on what happens. At this point, it could. Is that four-game series, September 14th, 
through the 17th against the Tampa Bay Rays at home because those two teams are chasing each other right now. I mean, the O's aren't chasing anybody, but the Rays are hot on their tail. One and a half games back as we record this, and all it takes is like a two-game losing streak for the O's, two-game win streak for the Rays, and they're, you know, they're, they're flip-flopping. So that's not what you want. Every team is going to hit its slump, sometimes late in the season, sometimes in the season, but you want a team to get hot at the right time. And I, I think you, know, you saw it with the Phillies last season, entering postseason play. A concern I have is the O's really haven't slumped. So should that kind of be a concern? I don't want them to go out and lose like seven games because that, you know, that kind of screws them over for postseason play. But I'm saying I, I still feel like I, I don't I don't even know where I'm going here with this. But you see team slump maybe like early August, late August, and then they hit that hot streak as they're going into the postseason. Mm-hmm. I do think we could see that with the O's. It, it concerns me that they haven't, though. That's all I'm saying. That they haven't like hit the, yeah, hit they the slump. Win, they've had a winning Ex- month. Exactly. They they've won so much, and it's like, okay, like, are they going to hit the slump? Are they going to be able to bounce back? I think they're they're going to win the AL East, and I'm a firm believer that th- this is the team that not only wins the AL East, but they can go far in the playoffs. So, what what are your thoughts on that, Rip? Because, like I said, we we saw it with the Phillies last year, and then you've had the teams that they they don't hit that slump until they get into the postseason. And they teeter off, and then they just completely, you know, get bounced. Yeah, I mean, do you know what I, you you get what I'm I know saying? Exactly like, what I'm not you're saying, saying, oh yeah, I want the O's to lose. No, it's just the fact that each month, yes, they've had success. Yes, exactly. Each month, it just you feel like when, and even when they've had the moments where they drop some games, they bounce right back. They've mm-hmm. done it every single time this season. I'm right there with you, partner. I got yeah. you. Yeah, don't you, you feel what I'm saying? All right, I just don't want to sound like an idiot, and everyone's like, well, that, "Why is this guy with the O's?" Well, like, I don't, that's I don't. that's a whole different. Yeah, I know. You sound is. like an yeah. idiot. It's a way different conversation. Yeah, yeah, we thanks. can make that for another episode of the Appreciate pod. Appreciate that. You're All welcome. Right. Anytime. Yeah, but whatever. but so because the Rays had one of those months. Their month of July for the Rays was brutal. That's exactly and, what I'm talking about. And the about. Rays went eight and sixteen, and the Orioles then jump them. And especially, you want to talk about how quickly things can swing. When the Orioles went down for a four-game series, they went three or four. That's a two-game swing right there. And so right now with the Orioles, as we're recording this, they're a game and a half up on Tampa. And the reality is, yes, the Orioles could find that they could hit a slump, but they just haven't done it. Every time that someone's had a doubt, they proved it wrong. And, And quite frankly, though, if the Orioles can continue to play the type of ball that they have, and they don't have to even be as dominant in my mind, winning the Tampa series is essential. But you know what? They've done so well this year, and it's the motto, Rock. What is it? Win series, avoid sweeps. Win series, avoid sweeps. If the Orioles keep that same mantra, they are going to win the American League East. It's, it's, it's guaranteed. If they continue to win series or avoid getting swept, and especially that one series you win is against the Rays, they're going to win the American League East because it's still going to have to provide. And if Tampa wins the division, it's going to be, it's probably going to be that they got so damn hot or they won that series in Baltimore that you tip their cap to them because we talked about the Orioles going through adversity with injuries. The Rays have had the same thing on different levels and not even injury related. I mean, Wander Franco's situation 
Mm-hmm. Your superstar player now is not involved because of, you know, an investigation, a serious investigation. Yep. And then on top of it, you lose your ace of your staff and Shane McClanahan. And the thing that, that Tampa does so well, just like the Orioles, so what? Who cares? We have to keep moving. So if Tampa's going to win the division, they're going to earn it. And I think for the Orioles, that they continue to play the type of ball that they play, they are going to end up being the American League East division champs but it's 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 not going to be a walk in the park and well, i that's what you're saying i think yeah. is is that we're in the final stretch here could guys get tense could you be tired the answer is they could i think this ball club is just way too hungry to let that happen yep. at this point in time it's in their grasp it's it's right there and we're now you know september 2nd i had a guy tweeting me every month after the O started winning, and it was like, wait until July, wait until July, yep, wait until July. Then it got to July, and it's like, you know, they'll fall off eventually. It's like, will they? I don't see it. You don't see it. Birdland no. doesn't see it. There's a lot of belief. There's a lot of hope within this team, within this fan base, and that clubhouse, and, and the guys definitely feed off the energy that they're getting from the fans because it's attendance has started to gradually increase over time. And I know the big ones are are when they do the giveaways, but the weekend games, that place is packed. Oh yeah. And I don't know. Let me see the, the 14th to the 17th. It's going to be, it's Thursday to Sunday. Oh yeah. I mean that Saturday game, I believe that could very well be the biggest crowd of the year. Well, that's that's competing, competing with, Competing with the reunion team, the World Series re- reunion team crowd, because that place was mobbed at I, that point in time. And I'll just be honest, the place needs to be packed for that. Oh, it does. It needs to be every single day, every single game. I mean, hey, you know what? Tell if, if you show up late to work on Friday, hey, all good. Because you're, if you say, sorry, sorry, boss, I was supporting the team, they probably won't like that answer. But the point is, you're talking about players going down the stretch. I remember this. This is a smaller magnitude of a moment, obviously. But in 2019, I got moved up from high A to double A. In high A, we were one of the worst teams in the league. We were at the bottom of the division. And I get moved up to double A, and we're in the playoff race. We're right there fighting with Erie, which is the Tigers double A team, going back and forth. And we didn't... Erie. Erie is that was that... from uh, Luck of the Irish. Ah. So Erie. You know, I don't have a really good Irish accent. Neither do I. I think my, my family's uh, a little bit Irish, but I'm not, you know, last name DeSangro. It's about... You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm real Irish, right? Yeah. Real, real Irish. No, but I do we do have some Irish. Have some sprinkled Irish. in there. No, not sprinkled. It's like maybe like, you know, I want to say like ten or fifteen percent. Probably oh. sprinkled. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's from my mom's side. Yeah. My dad's full on Italian. Oh, I I I meeting your dad, no question like about that. Tony Soprano reincarnated. I, I love it. Same analogies and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's so, just like same person. But but the point of all this is is that that series, having everyone there, being packed, being a part of it, that is going to be the closest atmosphere to playoff baseball because of the magnitude of it. And honestly, after that series, the Orioles go on the road. And then the last time they're coming home is when they play the Nationals and the Red Sox to close out the season. Mm -hmm. And that is going to feel, I really think clinching the division is going to come down to the final week. 
And what I'm saying about do you think it's going to be? I was I was going to kind of ask you about that. You, you think it's going to be the final week? They're not going to run away with this thing. Down it, the it stretch. would it, they would have to they would have if they swept the Rays, you know, or three out of four, or something like that. But you have an even split there, or whatever happens, it's not that easy. And the Orioles got to go to Houston, which is a tough series. Got to go to Cleveland. That's been giving Tampa some trouble here. The Rays still have they, two series left with Toronto and. Seattle. A four-game series with Seattle. So, let's just put it, let's I, I don't just, know, man. Let's put it this way. The Orioles the Orioles have the quote-unquote lighter schedule when you look yeah. at the two. But make no mistake, you got you to keep playing well because, you know, we're talking about the Washington Nationals end of the year. The Nationals, on paper, you're looking at them and going, well, wait a minute. You know, we know that they're rebuilding. The Nationals are only 12 games under 500 now. They've been one of the better teams in the second half and especially after the trade deadline, you got you to gotta keep playing your opponents. And, and even on this road trip, it's not going to be easy. And Boston, who the Orioles still have to play, they're fighting for their playoff lives. They're not giving in anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see. And you just made a point with the Rays. That's why if the Rays do win this division, they'll have earned it 100%. And you can't take anything away. And I love the fact that it's these two teams right now because they really do mirror each other on the sense of they don't care the situation. You can tell them that they're beaten down and they're going to keep going out there and giving you their best effort. And they're the final two teams that are standing in the American League. East. Yeah. And just looking at tickets for the uh, Rays game, the Twins, we could go for $6, $5, or $4. I bought, I bought we, should, t- we should just go, you know? I, hey, you know what? I bought a ticket online there uh, where the tax costs more than the ticket. It's insane. I just get out there, everyone. Get out ticket, there. Ticket fees are nuts. Like the service fees are crazy. I just bought tickets the other day to a football game I'm going to um, this season. And the tickets were pricey to sit lower bowl. But the service fee was like $100. And they added on another fee. And I'm like, what is going on? So. Yeah, erroneous. It's a topic for a different day, though. Yeah, but I think a big topic, though, with all this, the Orioles getting to the to the finish line here in the American League, League East is is their pitching going to hold up? That's always been a conversation, mm-hmm. which they have been tremendous, by the way. If you want to look at their numbers, especially ERA, they've been tremendous. But one guy that's been having his up-and-down moments, especially in the second half for post-trade deadline, has been Kyle Gibson. Yeah, August has not been kind to Kyle Gibson, and – he talked about it after his last start. His ERA is up to 7.89 in this month, and that's the worst it's been all season long. And he struggled. He has struggled. It's been, he's had a good start and then a bad start, and then maybe two good starts and another bad start. And it's very uncharacteristic of Kyle Gibson to, you know, go out there and do that because you think of this guy, he's your, your veteran righty. He comes in. Clubhouse loves him. He's a big clubhouse guy. And he was kind of cruising early on in the season. And he looked to be not the team's ace, but the team's go-to arm, I'd say, at the beginning. And that's where we were leaning when the when the season began. And this is not when the O's need Kyle Gibson to start being inconsistent in his starts. And he knows that. And that's why he seemed a little down on himself after the last start he made, because he's a guy that wants to win. He's a guy that wants to bring a winning mentality to the ball club as well. So, you know, seeing Kyle Gibson after that start, hearing him say what he said, and he even said it like it's, I think he called it a roller coaster ride 
in the month of August or something along those lines. So yeah. he knows what's going on. He's trying to get back on track, but will he is the question. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. with We talked about this earlier when we, we started Sports Unlimited before even starting the Rip and Rock pod was Gibson coming in. He was going to be the ace of the staff by default at the moment because of the leadership he brought and while some of the younger guys figured it out. And over time of this season, have the younger guys figured it out. Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, since he's come back up. So that that role has been lifted off of him. And, and honestly, because Kyle Gibson over his career, this is, again, he's had a to pitch in the big leagues, by the way, I don't care if you go and look at his ERA, you stick around for 10 years of service time, you're doing something right. And Kyle Gibson has done a lot more right than wrong, even though his numbers might not always reflect it. He had a tremendous year in Texas in 2021, having a 287 ERA. That was a career year. But Kyle Gibson's never been asked to be a top-tier ace pitcher for a squad. Now, having said that, the, the problem with Kyle Gibson has been really recently is just having some erratic games. And honestly, it's been against teams that, you know, he probably should have pitched better against like the Chicago White Sox giving up seven is a head scratcher, giving up four against the A's, one of the, you know, worst teams in baseball. It happens. But here's the thing for Kyle. And this is why I wouldn't be surprised if he still was pitching in meaningful games in the postseason, and I'd be 100% comfortable with him still out there, is that when he's faced better competition, and I'm going back from July 9th on to, or to this current date that we're doing the podcast. Yes, bad start against the Marlins. That's a fringe playoff team, right? A's, no bueno. White Sox, no bueno. Mariners, he got hit really hard. That was his worst start of the season, right? Mm-hmm. But then his other ones, Twins, seven innings, two earned runs. Rays, six innings, three earned runs. Phillies, six innings, two earned runs. Blue Jays, which he did twice, six innings, one earned, and eight innings, three earned. So the point that I'm getting across here after my ramble <laughs> is that Kyle Gibson can pitch against the high-quality teams and give a, and give you really good starts. And those ones I just mentioned, he gave his team a chance to win each and every one of them. The biggest thing is, can he be just consistent down this stretch? But I have confidence he can go into a playoff game for this O's and help. It's just on the short term, can we just try to figure out some things for these last few starts of the season? I'll tell you a guy that's been very consistent down the stretch, and he's locked up that AL Rookie of the Year word already. It's Gunnar Henderson, and he just continues to add to his highlight reel of plays. Quickly, just wanted to touch on this. The play he made against the Diamondbacks on Friday night was incredible. Not only did he catch the ball, a basket catch, it was like a pop fly down the third baseline. Ball ended up in shallow left field. Oh, yeah. Well, I and got Gunner it up right now. ran all the way over from short, caught it. Austin Hayes probably could have caught it, but Gunner's like, this is mine. Plants, throws home because was it Corbin Carroll that was yep. tagging up? Corbin Carroll tags up from third tries to beat Gunnar Henderson, which is not a good idea at all. And Gunnar fires home. I think it was a one hop right into Adley Rutschman's glove so low that Adley applied the tag on Carroll's inside or outside leg before he, I mean, it was, it was close. It was bang, bang. It was the only place that they could throw it. It was the only place he could throw it and he placed it perfectly. This dude is going to win the gold glove. He's going to win the MVP eventually. 
I'm not saying gold glove this year, but down the line, that, that is what's in his future. Gold gloves, MVPs, batting titles. I mean, he's a real deal, and he's going to win the rookie of the year. Hear, hear me out here. And, and we've seen Gunner play third, short, and I know Jackson Holiday is going to come up and eventually take over at short. Nah, like, what? I don't know about that. That's what we expect. So let's, that's the topic conversation for a different day. But could Gunnar Henderson... I just wonder, like, you know, you see Cleo Mack be an all pro at two positions. Could Gunnar Henderson, is it, is it even possible for someone to win a gold glove at two positions? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, a guy Has it been that, done before? I'd have to look at it. I think it has been. You know, I, infield, I, have, I don't have it off the top of my head. I'll be honest. You threw me through a loop on that one. Yeah. But but for Gunnar Henderson, yeah. I mean, he has a skill set to, 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 to win one at short, win one at third. But man, I-, I love him playing shortstop. That'll be for a discussion for a different day. I know Jackson Holiday does a lot of great things, but Gunner's reminding you of how special he can be. And talking about that play, this is what really impressed me with that. And you did a great job describing it because everyone you've seen it, but then you painted the picture. His awareness on the play was ridiculous for me. And if you watch the video, Gunner's running out there into left field, and then while he's running. You see him look to see where Hayes is and understands that Hayes isn't going to get to the ball. So then he p- finds the ball, gets it, and then realizes you have a very fast runner at third base and you turn around, immediately make a throw. That's something that is that's baseball IQ, that's just natural ability, instinct, and that's what's making Gunner so special and it's no secret that the more days he has in the big leagues, the more he's going to figure things out and showcase those skills. But yes, to your point, your question, yeah, Gunner, Gunner is capable of doing a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think that's the exciting part, but especially as big as you, I just keep watching this play on a loop. It, it's someone, nuts. Someone asked, this was seven years ago, and um, about, the gun, like, about the gold glove. To, and, and what I meant is guys have done it at two different positions, but I'm talking about in the same year, if that's even possible to do. Oh. And seven years ago, I'm just on a, it's funny. It's like a, a Reddit thread. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, but someone asked the same thing and it was Orioles related at the point in time. It said, the reason I asked with JJ Hardy missing six to eight weeks, looks like Machado is going to play a decent amount of shortstop. Fantasy owners rejoice. They gained eliteness in a second position. Could Machado end up winning two gold gloves this year? And that was a question. And now we're, you know, kind of asking the same thing about Gunnar Henderson in the future. If like something, you know, hypothetically, but like, he's so good at both positions. That's the reason I ask. He's so talented, man. You can put him anywhere on the field yeah. and he's making plays and his motor is just so high and so good. And what he does at the plate. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's I mean, nukes. And then he's making these highlight reel plays in the field. That has MVP written all over it. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's going to do. The hard thing to win two at the same posi- or two gold gloves in the same year is just you have to get X amount of chances at the position. You know what I mean? So if if he's bat- battling somebody else that has more opportunities and maybe makes a couple more errors, but he's flawless, it, it it's still that's where it can get dicey. But to your point, he's just he's that dynamic. Yeah, he's that great, and I've just been saying this for the longest time. As long as you've known me. I've I've always felt this way about Gunner, even through his struggles. And that's exactly why I talk about with Fuji when you see talent. When I saw talent with Gunner, you realize at that moment the guy is special. And, and man, I think specials now just is just a word we're throwing out here. And, and but I wish I could give a different word 
but he truly is. There's just no ands, ifs, or buts about no, that. No, absolutely. Let's hop into Rips Tips. What do we got? Rips Tips sponsored by... Nobody. We know what I sponsor myself, and Rocco sponsors me. But, um, hey, uh, I, I think this is a big, a, a big tip that I've really tried to work on is when you know something's good for you, do it, even if your mind tells you no. So, for example, biggest example right now to start in everyday life, how many times do you want to wake up? If you say you're going to work out in the morning, you wake up, you don't feel like doing it. You're like, yep, I mean, that happens to me daily. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you one time when I actually got up, went to the gym, that I regretted it or did a home workout, whatever it may be. After the fact, I tell myself, I'm proud of myself for doing that. So whatever you do in your life, whether it's you want to start on a project, well, I'll wait a couple more days. No. If you want to do it and you're afraid to do it, who cares? Even this whole media career rock for me, I've had so many moments where I felt like I had to be perfect and I wasn't, yeah. but the fact that I was worried about being perfect kept me from going to start something and my mind was playing tricks. So don't let your mind play tricks on you. And then when you're looking at in professional sports, that's what a lot of guys, when they're trying to find themselves, it, it's when, when guys have talent, it's a lot of things mentally. How do you get by that mental hur- hurdle? Of saying, you know what? I'm battling my mind. I'm afraid to try something else, but you know what? Do it because it could be the best thing for me. Don't let whatever that thought is dictate what you're capable of doing. And I think that's what I love about seeing with this Orioles team and even talking to some of the guys is that when things went wrong or or they needed to work on something, they didn't, they didn't uh, go away from the process. They kept doing it. They kept showing up. They trusted it. They trusted it. <laughs> well, <I> said, <laughs> sorry to your Sixers, but sorry. but again, it was it was trusting the process and then looking up and going. I'm really glad I saw that through. So mm-hmm. for everyone out there, that's my rips tip for the week. Keep up with what you're doing. Don't let your mind or other people throw you off of your path. Because if you keep doing it and showing up each and every day to whatever hobby, passion, job that you're doing. And you put in the work that you're supposed to do, you're going to end up seeing results pay off. Yeah, and don't don't let social media take that away from you either, because oh, you goodness. see a lot of, you know, a lot of that on social media. It can be toxic. It can be great. I, I love social media for all the right reasons, but there are a lot of people out there that not only use it for the wrong reasons, but they they see the wrong things on there, and sometimes it it dictates what they do in life get into that comparison mode so you know keep grinding keep doing your thing be you we, we've all done it we've all compared ourselves to to somebody else and you know people out there but but keep doing you at the end of the day like you're gonna go as far as you take yourself not how far the person you're comparing yourself to is gonna take you so yeah and um you know on that note just on a lighter note you know i got called an avatar on social media <laughs> and i and i still don't even know what that exactly means and from the movie that's what they're they <laughs> i'm not blue i'm not blue you have blue pants on yeah i have blue pants on but i mean but again the point is that's just goofy and that's more lighthearted. but the point is yeah hey don't don't <laughs> the the social media world can be a very interesting place tough sometimes yeah but also the real world can be a tough place don't can let be. other people dictate yourself keep now Keep doing you. Keep doing you. That's all I got. I love it. So the Orioles with these next two series, the one series we're going to be in the heart. What? what no, was that it, was, it was good. What does that look? 
never mind. I you know what my mind's all over the place. Don't shake your head. I I got I got a sense of something. I didn't know where it was coming from, and I got a little distracted. Why don't you just keep talking about the series? I smell that too. Yeah, see, and someone's it, cooking something like downstairs. Maybe microwaving something, and it's it smells good. Yeah, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, that's all it was. Yeah, all right. Well, that's not like, a bad that's all you scent. Like, it's something smells good downstairs. Okay, I have awkward moments. I'll admit it. That was an awkward that was, moment. Really, that was like almost as bad as me, you know, no. fleeing from the bee. No, it was no, up there. no, it was up there. Nope. Two series coming up: Angels, and then you have the Red Sox. I cannot wait to go to the Orioles Red Sox game at Fenway Park. Because I said Camden Yards seven times last week. I heard about it from my friend, Brandon, who listens. He said, you're an idiot. He's like, the Red Sox play at Fenway Park. I said, I know that. My brain just wasn't working, as usual. As usual. I know that, though. But I can't wait. Tickets are honestly like cheaper than I thought they'd be. 45 bucks. But I'm pumped to go. You know, that's going to be a big series for the O's because it's against an AL East rival. But playing the Red Sox, playing the Angels... What would you like to see from the O's this upcoming week, aside from the obvious win series not getting swept? Yeah, that'd be neat. Uh, you know, the Angels is interesting because they just had their huge fire sale, and that could be a Big whole time. different topic, wild. by the way. I don't think there's any, there, there's, there's not, of course, the Mets and Padres have been disappointing, and I don't blame the Angels for going all in, but talk about a disappointing sequence, and it's not even, it wasn't even a full month of the trade deadline to you ha- having a fire sale. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it just, you know, the, the Angels just are in limbo. I don't, there's nothing else to say. But having said that, they lost a lot of players, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the Angels, that's a series you want to go out there and don't let, don't let that one slip away. Boston's going to be a challenge just because Boston does feel more comfortable. They play off the energy in, in Fenway. Uh, they have a better record at home in Boston than they do on the road, slightly, but still. And also for the Orioles, it's I correct me if I'm wrong. It's the first time being back since opening weekend of the season or opening opening day of the season. So a lot has changed since those days, but it's still a tough place to go win a ball game. And I think that is something for the Orioles. Can you continue to put things together? Because let's just face it. Uh, with you being the top dog, there's more pressures and stresses attached with being the top team. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. You hit the nail on the head right there. And it is going to be, I mean, it, it's hard not to look ahead to that that series with Tampa Bay. But right now, the Orioles just have to continue to look at what's in front of them. One series at a time, one game at a time, one day at a time. And I think the AL East is theirs, truly. Yeah, and it's it's... When people try to break down the X's and O's or what's happening, it's like there's not you don't want to overcomplicate things as we get down the stretch here. You know, it's just all you're trying to do is continue to keep that same mojo and not try to get too much. Absolutely. That's gonna do it. Episode 18 of Rip and Rock is in the books. I'm shipping up to Boston. Play the tune from the dropkick Murphys. You know what? That was I was gonna, I was gonna say I'll be, something. I'll, I'll be in Boston this upcoming well Salem and then Boston because you know. Well, you better give a you better give a picture to the to the listeners. Oh, I'm here. taking a beautiful picture of Fenway Park. 
I'm probably going to try to record the national anthem to hear that. Oh, it'll, you know, give me basically a barometer of, of how many O's fans are there at that point in time. And I'm hoping that a ton of them travel up to that Friday night game. I'm sure more will be there on Saturday because it's an easier trip, but Friday night, if you're there, they're there. Say hello. Yeah. Go bother Rocco. there. Nobody knows who I am. Go bother Rocco. I don't look like an avatar, you know? Nah. Yeah. (laughs) Abby. (laughs) Just kidding. Just call me Abby. No, but it'll be fun. Uh, Fenway park for the first time at a baseball game. Been there before for a football game. My dad had the Harvard Yale game back in the day, but I've never been for a baseball game. So super excited to get some maybe Boston clam chowder, some uh, some lobster rolls, some dunks. You know, be a Bostonian. I think that's, Boston. Yeah, Boston. great city. Love Boston. One of my favorite cities to go visit. Live there for an off season. You're gonna have a great time. Hopefully, you Can't see wait. the O's get some wins, take some nice pictures. Everyone. Um, Make get on Rocco. We want to see content. The people want content, Rocco. So that's what we want. But that's it, guys. <laughs> um, as always for the pod, uh, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. On Twitter, he is Rocco DeSangro. I am Ryan Ripkin. R DeSangro on Instagram. I am Ryan Ripkin because I'm able to keep it. Is it linear, the term? I don't want to, yeah, but I don't want to lose my blue check. I would be Rocco DeSangro, but I don't want to lose the, yeah, uh, you know what I'm, which I didn't, I didn't pay for that one. On hey, Instagram. I'm checklist. I grandfathered on, in. I'm checklist on Instagram. You got to pay for it now. I know it stinks. Yeah, you grandfathered gotta, in. It's nice. Yeah, it must be nice. You're a good kid. But hey, uh, episode comes out again on Tuesday. Again, that's just how it works sometimes. It will be back to its normal scheduling on Monday in the future weeks. That's all I got. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next week for a new episode of Ripper Rock.